0: I believe that insurance companies aren't new to big data because we've been very comfortable with large amounts of data for a long time, but we haven't always had easy access to it. So if, if you can't find it or if you can't organize it, it's not very useful to you
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we discuss insurance innovation. So you're probably aware of all of the things that we've been trying to do to help you get an understanding of what's happening in this insurance industry. So I've been trying to bring topics to the table uh, that is going to provide value to you all. So, you know, we talked about blockchain a little bit earlier on. uh, Upcoming on a podcast, we're going to be talking about cyber and the implications of cyber and um, some opportunities to innovate that part of the value change from a coverage perspective, but then also from a technological perspective as well. And and that's going to be coming up fairly soon. Um, not only that, you know, we are just hoping to continue to bring... Uh, to light, you know, some of the newer startups and insure tech organizations that's been hoping to um, engage with some of the incumbents, but also drive change throughout the insurance value chain. You know, I, I really think that uh, what some of these organizations are doing is really going to help to, you know, bring that uh you know, driving of innovation and transformation to the insurance industry as we started to see in some of the other industries. Now you know, I'm quick to remind people though that this is all about the customer um, and everything that we do has to have a profound impact and a positive impact on the customer irrespective of what area of the value chain you're hoping to innovate. So you know, I I love just seeing what's happening out there and I'm hoping that you are also enjoying hearing about those things that are occurring within the insurance industry as well. So uh, at the end of this podcast, uh, you know, don't go away. So I'm also going to be having a discussion with Troy Vossler. Um, He is the head of um, one of the on-ramp or of on-ramp and generator. Um, And what that is, is it's a conference that's going to be held in Chicago. um, And there's a specific conference in relation to the insurance industry. So uh, stay tuned at the end of this podcast so you can hear my quick discussion with Troy just to learn more about what on-ramp is. You know, so before we jump in, I do want to recognize the sponsor of this podcast, and that's Vortex Legal. Innovation in the insurance field is exciting, and Vortex Legal is a unique and proven solution to help improve a company's loss ratio by substantially reducing legal expenses. Their nationwide network of local attorneys attend the voluminous and routine and predictable hearings for a flat rate, not an hourly rate. So Vortex Legal's solution works with both staff council offices as well as outside law firms. They've saved many carriers millions of dollars. So if you want to learn more, just contact Jonathan Broder at Nine five four four seven three two six four eight, 954-473-2648 or visit vortexlegal.com. So today I'm speaking with Denise Alavarez. Now, Denise is the vice president of Payer Products for Prognose AI, a healthcare AI company focused on predicting disease to drive decisions earlier in healthcare. Hey, Denise, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
1: Hey, you know, so Denise, you know, as I as I looked across what you've done throughout your history, I think you have a really unique perspective, you know. So, you have experience in things like insurance innovation, healthcare innovation, and expertise in payer life sciences and in the pharma domain. So, you know, if you don't mind, Denise, just talk to me about your history and how you got to do what you're doing today. I can do that
0: so uh abel i have been very fortunate to grow up in an industry that has been rewarding and challenging and that i've really come come to enjoy um i started in in a long long time ago in core insurance product development and i worked on life insurance major medical insurance supplemental health products and um, eventually cut my teeth in annuities, uh, disability products, long-term care insurance. So I've really been uh, fortunate to learn products from, from the start. How are they built? What are they priced for? What's their value to the public? Um, how do we sell it in, in the channels that we're in? So I've gotten some great exposure across so many different product lines that um, I just feel like the industry has given me so much that I can, I can work with. And over the years, through some of those product lines, I've dr- I've delved deeper into certain facets, whether it's the claims management aspect of a, of a product or a feature set or it's the uh, life impact and the customer journey when you're dealing with a group employee worksite uh, kind of construct as opposed to individual sales. And uh, most recently, for several years, I've been working on the data side Uh, of the industry and you know coming from insurance we're, we're all very well versed in data we have massive amounts of data we have decades of data but only in the last say 10 to 15 years have we really been comfortable going outside our own four walls as an insurance company to get external data. So um, I've been able to uh, morph my my experience and help in a different way by working in data providers that have uh, analytic strength, uh, curios, curiosities and insights that the data and this massive amount of information that we're generating every day can really help if the insurance industry takes some of these things in. Um, so most recently, I've been working in uh, analytics and data. And as you said, I'm at Prognose. And our specialty is labs and uh, clinical results. And we use those insights to help the pharma companies, insurance carriers, and so on, drive their business and their efficiencies forward.
1: You know, Denise, that that uh, that makes um, that that's pretty interesting. As I'm thinking about how you're then sort of shifting into or leveraging uh, your expertise in the in the the different domain that you're in, and and when you look at data as the example, you know, something that you mentioned really hit home, uh, especially when we think about the insurance industry. Um, and that's you know the massive amounts of data that the insurance industry tends to collect over time. Now, what I've seen um in in my uh, history within the the insurance field and it. it, it even goes a little bit beyond insurance. Uh, is that even though the industry collects so much data, uh, sometimes it's challenging to understand what exactly to do with that data because of the the way that it's structured or uh, the inability to truly assess it to to gather um, you know what what the information is telling you. So so from your perspective, you know, have you run into a situation where within an industry it was challenging to figure out what can be done with that data, which can then in turn help drive the direction of where the company is going.
0: Yes, that's um, that's a really good setup for possibly, I mean, a dozen stories. I think think that what I've seen mostly, though, is that we don't, in the insurance industry, most companies don't have the problem of knowing what they would like to do with it. Um, We may not have good hypotheses or we may not maybe understand some of the things we should test for. Uh, but most of the time, we do have a pretty good idea of what we would like to start to look into. And um, so so I would say the the, the bigger challenge actually precedes the, the time in the cycle of, of knowing what to do with the data. It's about, gosh, let's make sure we actually... Have a list somewhere of all our data because there are so many places in the insurance uh, cycle where data can sit, whether it's inside your new business system or a marketing CRM tool or it's off-site at a um, provider, that a third party that will help you process transactions or, or general ledger software, actuarial pricing models, which need to, be, need to be maintained for years and years and have continuous feedback Loops. Um, So the big challenge really is to organize that data and be innovative about how to access it and how to pull things from it for each functional area that has a different question. So, then to your point, um, what do we do with it? So, whether it's pricing or whether it's a customer experience um, problem, uh, you have to think pretty hard about which set of data you can use and then can you get to it in a timely fashion that allows you to help you improve that, that process or solve that problem.
1: Yeah, you know, Denise, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you mentioned one thing that, that I, I really do want to dig into. And so you were, you talked a little bit about, you know, how to gather the information and, and how to be innovative with the data that's being collected. You know, so just, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you're specifically doing today, um, and really how that drives your perspective of innovation in insurance and just in general. So today, uh,
0: at Prognos, what we do is help the the insurance carrier or, or a pharmaceutical or a life science company understand that the organization of the data can be structured in a way that will allow us to summarize, to analyze, to derive key attributes from it. And the the value of, of our data, which is clinical lab data, is somewhat unique. And by looking across a set of data that predicts disease state and severity of disease state, we're able to uh, find levers, if you will, and nuances to potential conditions or uh, success rates for care programs. And then that can be additive to the the theories that the insurance company already has uh, or the life sciences company has about where to design a communication program, where to instruct a change in in a treatment program. Um, so what we try to do is work closely as a partner and it's very consultative and it's very iterative. Uh, but at the core we we first ascertain where we have the attributes and insights that can add value and then we have to help our partners find where they have their insights and value and together we consult to iterate a value and an insight that can drive some kind of action Uh, what you need to do also while you're creating these these processes is find a way to test the results so you make sure that you Take an insight that you've learned and put it into a practice to make sure that communication can be measured. Um, how can that how fast can you act on a communication? Can you measure the return from it uh, in concrete terms or is it in um, rough estimates? Where can you put those stakes in the ground to say that you can see some kind of measurement that you can uh, measure your, you know, your
1: practice against? Hey, you know, so Denise, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about is artificial intelligence and insurance, and we see a lot um, occurring in the space of artificial intelligence um, and how it impacts the industry, but also in the way that it plays with the data element of what we've been talking about here. So, you know, Denise, from your perspective, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts around artificial intelligence and how it interplays with data. Excellent. So, um... It
0: does interplay and it can interplay probably in a lot of ways. and uh, i I am not a deep expert, and I don't have uh, you know computer science uh, uh, background to to speak to and refer to as i as I answer this. But I think that what what at least what we're seeing now, the the value of of machine learning is going to be uh, taking these massive amounts of data. Because there is so much data, um, we can't humanly get through all of it in the best way and in the using the uh, analyses that we've used in the past. Uh, they just they don't all work as well. And the value of artificial intelligence will be to take our, our data and let it tell us things, uh, not only test our theories but also tell us things that we wouldn't know enough to think about to try to frame the test for. So um, it's necessary. It's here. Um, so many uh, entities, like my own, are are embedding it in solutions, and uh, or adding it on top of of existing successful you know solutions with data. and I think that um, it could it could interplay in, in a number of different parts of the product life cycle or uh, a company's life cycle. Um, but we're at the very early stages of all this, I think across across the insurance marketplace. and uh, you know time will tell how many uh, places it can really add value. Uh, I just know that it's being tried and it's being put in place, and some of the great things that could come out of it are right around the corner.
1: Yeah, you know, um and and I I think that's uh that's a pretty great premise, you know, and I think what it does is it helps to augment some of the processes that are already in place. Um, through providing some significant additional value based on, you know, what your value proposition is for your organization. So, you know, when, when I think about you and when I think about your background, I, you know, and I look at myself, I'm like, you know, you and I have really similar backgrounds in that we both run either product development or product management or have history and in innovation, um, even though it's in uh, different domains. Um, now, one of the challenges that I always find um, it is when we try to integrate new opportunities and innovative ideas, ideas um, into large bureaucracies. You know, now I've seen uh, with you, you've um, had the uh, the opportunity to work within larger organizations, within uh, startup organizations, and so on. So, you know, thinking about innovation, you know, how do you make sure that you drive innovation to keep your function up to speed where the rest of the industry is when you're working in a large or in a small organization?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, Abel. So that's a fantastic question. And I and I do love when we speak because we do have that perspective that we can share. And and even though our insurance disciplines are different, it, it doesn't matter. And I, I will say a couple things. So when you think about the small organization versus the large organization, um, some of your challenges are, are similar and some are going to be different. So in in a small organization, if there's buy-in, and especially if at the top there's a commitment to, to try to be innovative. You you have a much easier time securing the four or five key votes you need to to start something. And whether it's it's a committee action or it's a checklist of guideline kind of guideline steps, it's a way to begin to educate the organization on how to think more innovatively. And if it's a small company, not only maybe can you bring people on board and, and help them think more innovatively or help them try to be uh, more innovative. But you can also uh, probably be more comfortable working with outside help. And there's a lot of companies out there that will help you bring innovation in or help you just run some idea sessions that allow you to explore things that are not common to you. And, and, and by that, I mean, you really need to think not just about what your type of insurance Practice is, but think about what you can learn from a company that makes fences or an uh, an ast- an astronaut who's studying uh, the stars. You have different kinds of outside inputs that will jog that that ability to be innovative. On a large company scale, um, it's it's much harder, obviously, to get the stakeholder buy in, and it's got to come from the top. I've learned that. Um, Uh, so many times over it really has to come from the top Uh, but also then in that kind of an environment you can't force it into a hierarchical structure and so many insurance companies today in all lines of business are going through a transformation and some of them have decided to spin off a separate subsidiary or a separate little unit that doesn't fit into the bureaucracy anywhere so that they can be off on their own and not even behave like you know the the parent company because they're they're instructed to not for not allow their innovative thinking to be uh, hampered, and so so the large and small factor really um, does affect how you how you challenge the organization Um, but you can find a champion in every functional area and and then this would be my my final thought that brings it together is I really believe that the product folks have often been the most innovative in their companies Uh, not everywhere of course but we've been fairly innovative in a lot of situations even before innovation was this new hot word because as you know uh, a product leader should always be thinking about the future enhancements and the future insights. And anyone who who truly was uh, ahead of their time was innovative, I would say, if they were getting ideas from outside their normal feedback channels. So you have your customer service frontline feedback. You have your sales team feedback. You have your uh, actuarial expertise because that kind of summa- summarizes for you how you interpret the last five years of history to predict for the next five. And so you use all those inputs all the time in insurance. But a product leader who who got ideas from, you know, watching a crime show on TV or uh, painting the outside of their house often came up with something that was different that allowed them to come back to our relatively... Dry, sometimes topics, and find something different. So so we were being innovative uh, and taking ideas from everywhere even before that was you know the latest thing to do. And a product leader needs to incorporate those things and help get the rest of the organization uh, motivated to to incorporate them and think about them.
1: You know, absolutely. You know, Denise, as you're as you're talking about that, that really resonates with me. And, you know, the reason behind that is because first, you know, as you clearly stated, um, and this is what I truly believe, you know, I always say that uh, innovation is a collision of ideas from different industries that then sparks a new idea within your industry. And when you're in the product development and the product uh, in the product management domain, you have to Always be looking way beyond your industry and beyond what you're doing today, um, in order to be successful at continuing to be competitive in the marketplace that you're playing in. Um, you know, so, yes. uh, so I really find, uh, you know, that w- <laughs> what you're saying really compelling because, you know, um, as I look across all of the different organizations, irrespective of the industry that it's in, you know, whether it is insurance or whether it is uh, the finance space or even if it's in retail, uh, you start to see that the uh, the organization with in a company that's starting to drive that change, typically tends to start with the product management department.
0: It really, it really can. Able. And, and let me just add one more thing to to that. I think that you you touched on something. So we, um, some companies have done a better job, and some product managers and developers have found ways to be more creative and open to the explosion and and combination of ideas that you mentioned. And for those of of of, of the insurance companies that didn't. Uh, be open to that or grow into that naturally. We all know there are innovation companies out there that kind of um, pre- uh, inject their thinking or inject the structure to say, here's what you can do to help become more open to that. And it's really exciting. And I think that where we are today is if you haven't been instructed in that, you actually have a, a very lucky you know, chance to, to do fairly well if you can figure out how to use data. Because... The data that we know is so massive because we've been used to it is now just even more and more massive. And 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 really, you could be very lucky to use data to help you innovate. Um, so I think that's going to really start to change things fast where we haven't seen the pace of innovation before. It may get faster because that data is going to cause that uh combustion, <laughs> as, you, as you wish.
1: <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, and, and you're absolutely right. I think the data itself, it's going to cause, uh, in the terms that you put it, the combustion, um, it'll help, uh, you know, product leaders and just uh, uh, industry leaders to figure out where the best opportunities are to impact and to create change within the industries and within the, the domains that they're in. You know, so um, I, I think about one of the things that you said, right, and you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, a little bit earlier about things like insure tech and innovation, you know, just being being a, a, a thing, uh, even though in, let's say, a, a product space, it's something that you always had to do. Um, but, you know, I I, I was reading uh, an article that, that you wrote um, in, in the past, and, and what you mentioned in that article was uh, about the timing uh, and why timing is a, a critical component to successful innovation. Um, you know, so, so Denise, if you don't mind, uh, just talk to me a little bit about your thoughts around, you know, why timing is truly critical to, to innovation, especially in a time right now where... InsureTech within the insurance space has really just become a thing over the past, let's say, 12 to 18 months.
0: Yes. You know, I think um, in my experience that the, the factor of timing is um, it just makes a, a, a difference in, in, in many, many cases, maybe not in all cases. You, you might be able to get a, a group of people excited in a large or a small insurance company about some kind of New change, some very radical market research based on some some interesting hypotheses that you want to you want to research, and you need to get that creative product developer out front and um, in the marketplace and and trying and and listening. And your timing could be off because of some major economic trend or some massive change in in a in an underlying maybe political stories. Even there's always influences that can affect that the ability for for a product developer to learn from the marketplace. Um, and, and similarly, you could be out there and get the best feedback, and it may be that all the stars are aligned and the marketplace is ready and open to speak with you, and you bring it back into your organization, but the leadership has a bad a bad problem to deal with. Potentially, like in our case where we had variable annuity problems or where we had um, uh, just a couple of regulatory issues around a certain product line that that would kind of freeze the insurance company for a while because if an insurance company was big in that line, you had to you know deal with that that problem for a big block of business and and you want to protect you know your core bread and butter of course so you might have gotten the best research from the marketplace but the timing was off because you couldn't digest it in the company or you couldn't even spend a minute to focus on it even if you tried and then of course you have senior management changes, whether you have an acquisition that's happening or just just a normal uh, attrition through some, some seniors retiring maybe. Um, the timing could be bad where it disrupts the flow and you get your momentum started, and then all of a sudden you just can't run with these uh, ideas, so you don't get anywhere.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense, and nice. you know, um, your your uh, your perspective is it's just really interesting, you know. Um, so, you know, as, as i as I'm thinking about that, I'm just wondering, you know, what inspires you in your approach to innovation and your thoughts around innovation.
0: I take inspiration from, I guess, two places. I really take inspiration more often from other people than within myself. Um, I find that I naturally gravitate toward the uh the organized and the measured so so i like when we when we've decided on what we're going to do i like to get organized and get the plan running and, and start to execute so at that point you're not innovating right you're trying to get the execution done right to get out the door um, and of course you can be sometimes innovative in that in a sense when you have a new channel to, to play with but um i find that if you if you're talking to all your functional partners, you learn things or you hear things that you didn't know before. And I love it when when, um, an IT expert or a customer service supervisor says something to me and they use their own lay terms to describe an interaction with with the tool or maybe how they read the contract or how a customer described it. And all of a sudden you say, that's not exactly how I thought it was. Boy, but that's kind of curious. So it really is exciting to to continue those conversations because you never know the kind of insight you're going to get from that. And then I, I think the second place that innovation can come from is to, uh, and you alluded to it earlier, is to always be looking outside your four walls. Um, I, I, I'm i a reader, and I always have been. So I try sometimes to pick up something to read that is completely out of my scope, whether it's, <laughs> I remember about 10 years ago, I picked up a couple of books on the mechanics of, of um, an engine in a car, just because that's completely strange to me. And And I know that the auto industry is is all all of a sudden, you know, in different ways today, but even then somewhat evolving and it's fascinating in its own right. Or, you know, read about astronomy or read about uh, something in biology. And especially in our industry, you've got topics that are more natural to the insurance products anyway, whether it's diseases or it's biology or life insurance. uh, You know, uh, if you if you learn a little bit about how life evolves, Right. It's just these conceptual things that you, that you read about might seem a little different, but they'll bring you insights, or they'll bring you some new ways to look at a, a picture. And you'll see it very differently the next time you go back to your office and, and have to
1: look at something. Absolutely, you know, Denise, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, uh, you know, especially as, as uh, people start to look outside of what they're doing, and, and to your point that you made read things that's different than what you typically would within your domain, you're gonna start to generate ideas uh, that may spark a different way of doing things. And and to the point that you made earlier about, you know, just doing Way that as something is being positioned with one of the functional partners, uh, that's looking at what you're doing if from a different perspective. They may provide a perspective in a way that challenges your way of thinking, which then may uh, create a, a different outcome that might be more favorable. So, always taking those different perspectives into consideration, um, you know, I believe I, to the, to the same point that you mentioned truly helps the process of innovation. So, so just thinking about uh, that and thinking about trying to innovate in a corporate or in an enterprise environment, you know, what do you see as some of the most challenging roadblocks to being able to innovate in a corporate or an enterprise environment?
0: You know, you have some some of the the more obvious ones, perhaps. Um, I would say that if you have a culture where people don't talk to each other openly, then um, that's a little hard to cultivate and, and have those conversations. And it doesn't have to be a, a, a challenge. So you may be talking to someone from a, a different area, a different functional unit, and they may not challenge what you're thinking so much as they just make a comment off the cuff. So um, if, if the employees aren't talking to each other, aren't having lunch together, um, you, you don't have those opportunities to trip on an idea or exchange something informally that later um, turns into something interesting. Um, another challenge you may have is really back to data. You have so much data. And there are amazing warehouses that some of the companies I've worked at have created. Um, and again, I, I believe that insurance companies aren't new to big data because we've been very comfortable with large amounts of data for a long time, but we haven't always had easy access to it. So if, if you can't find it or if you can't organize it, then it's, um, it's not very useful to you. And another challenge might be companies that are afraid to work with an outside Partner, um, they're afraid to share too much about what's happening inside the insurance company uh, because you know we have a lot to protect. I get that, um, but the outside person, the, the consultant who can help you think about it differently or organize it, uh, just needs to know a few things to really be able to maybe bring that fresh perspective and possibly even digitize data that you're afraid to 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 release, but you can't use it because it's not in a digital format. So, so there are insurance companies, I believe today that are sitting on, on, on written, you know, images of written words and things, and they're limited, or they're being very careful about what they allow to turn into a a digital asset. But truly, if they just opened up a little bit, I think that um, there are a lot of places to be safe about it, and to bring that data uh, really to the front. And let's use it. And I do think the opportunity to use data will allow some of these companies who haven't been innovative to finally maybe um, find some innovations to work on.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And and to the point that you were making, you know, just in terms of protecting or not wanting to share that data um, or, you know, it, it, I, I, at points it could be uh, you know, as, as some of the employees that are uh, within the organizations are, are seeing what the impacts of this could be, could potentially have um, a, an adverse impact uh, for the the positions of those employees so I've actually heard or, or seen that play out in um, in organizations at, at, at points in times now you know uh, so so you you mentioned uh, again the data piece and you mentioned the digitization or the, or the digitizing of data and and how you know just doing that and, and providing access to potential uh, a potential um, a consultant could assist along the way of being able to do things differently and more efficiently you know so so you know from your perspective you know what role do you see see digitization playing across the multiple insurance domains
0: ah wow so that's a good question so um, if i think about uh the you know the auto industry clearly they've moved first and it you know it it's not like they got there yesterday from uh, from starting the day before yesterday right it did take time um but but they got to the point where now a, an awful lot of their process is is in a digital um, flow and and it really does drive efficiencies and yes it probably replaced some um, working people but it also created other opportunities for people and it allows for the customer experience to be uh, just so much smoother and flex- and more flexible. I think in life and health insurance we are um, behind the times, and and you'll read a lot on that from other pundits. And we 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 just have a lot that's still in paper. If we could uh, simplify the front end, um, I think that's going to be a plus for both the uh, insurance agents uh, and the and the customers as they experience the journey. Um, I also think it allows the insurance companies uh, to measure better what's happening and in fact you could determine where in that part of the cycle a data point could be helpful or not and i'm not saying you have to put data into every single step um, but you do need to think about if it if it would add some value and i think on the back end so so on the front end you'll, you there's some stuff happening out there today you know there is a little bit in life and health around a better um, front end uh, quoting system online or maybe there there are some uh, flexible but uh, maybe not too uh, complicated, more simple product uh, front end applications from that, that allow someone to actually come in and, and go pretty far in the process. But I think at the back end is where we have a lot of challenges because we collect so much information while we're interacting with you, whether you're filing a, a claim from a doctor's visit or you're filing a disability uh, report that says, yes, I'm going to be out for another week and, and the doctor you know adds a note to your note. So there's all these, these things that get accumulated and, I think that what we're missing is, and we just need to take time to do this, if we could digitize some of the things in that middle experience and and, and the actual um, things that happen while, while a coverage is in force, we'll find that there are things we don't even know yet are in there. There's going to be information in there that we could use. We could use it earlier. We could use it again later for overall risk management. And it's just going to be a whirlwind of information and we just have to try to get through some of that digitization process and then we'll try to organize it and I'm sure the industry is going to find some great great nuggets in there that'll be useful
1: absolutely you know um, and, and I think about what you mentioned on the back end uh, uh, where there's some challenges there um, I also believe that there's some opportunities that could be created through uh, digitizing the data uh, to improve uh, what something that you mentioned and that's uh, to help improve the customer experience which could then impact the front-end component of it as well you know so um, as I as I think about you know uh, what what's really interesting to me is that sometimes when I often hear about people innovating uh, they're innovating from the inside, um, and their point of view is so internally focused that they then at times tend to forget what the customer needs are, um, because they're, they're they're focused on figuring out okay how do you make things a little bit more efficiently, let's say potentially for the employees, whereby you know the the customer could uh, or is uh, you know the uh, uh, are, are the individuals that that you're hoping to be able to solve whatever their job that needs to be done is, uh, you know. So um, it, from your perspective, you know why. Is is customer focus so important when driving innovation in an organization?
0: Yeah, well, you you, you gave us the headline, uh, Abel. I think that it is about the, the job to be done. And I think that um, product management as a discipline and product development uh, as a discipline have, have come a long way in the last 10 years. And there are some um, amazing tools out there to train product developers to do a great job on the front end and on the uh, middle and 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 all the way through, so that you're thinking about what is that customer uh, experience. I think different companies have have indoctrinated that process in 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 a more significant way than others have, and I think that um, you know small providers of data like like Prognos and um, and small technology companies that are out there are often very very good at bringing to the table some of the new ways of doing things and if an insurance company can understand it and and or allow it right to to, to, to try it they'll understand that the um, focus on the experience and the customer will actually make sure that your product is more useful in the end and you don't have to have sometimes that insight you can you can still create a product that's going to be uh purchased and 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 drive some value, but it just won't have the, the stickiness and it won't be um, as impactful as it could be. Um, and I think that when you're focusing on the front end better about the um, uh, understanding the real uh, pain point that you're solving, whether it's a B2B environment or B2B2C um, or direct to consumer, you have the chance to be in the market, understanding some of the uh, opportunities that that the the marketplace is telling you, but then also observing and asking questions because maybe they're not uh, telling you everything directly in the marketplace and then you complement that with your analysis of data so you can test out whether your your hypotheses are correct and try to find those meaningful pain points that need the most attention
1: absolutely you know so uh, so 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 Denise um, uh, just just looking at the future of let's say the life and health space you know what do you see um, as some of the key uh, opportunities and innovation for life and health whether it's insurance or other elements of that domain um, and then do you see the these opportunities um, or do you see these things as opportunities that may shift the way that the industry works
0: well I, I, I don't know if I would comment on on sh- on, on a, the maybe bigger shifts that might come to mind but I think about the elements um, of, of this industry that we're in and, and whatever line of insurance we talk about um, there are a lot of elements it's a complicated ecosystem you have a primary insurance carrier who underwrites risk you have Reinsurers who support uh, insurance, you know, risk. You have third parties in every line of business. There are third parties who either organize your data or bring in data or uh, help with an application or a tool. Or you have a third-party administrative system that that handles eighty percent of the transactional volume and record keeping. There are so many players. You have influences of, of, of the sales structure and the very many types of channels and, and sales teams that are out there. Um, what, I think, what I think is happening is every part of that ecosystem is going through a, a shift of some kind. In some cases, it's a, probably a bigger teardown and, and, and a completely new growth. Or it's just a shift in, in finding a better place to to survive and, and and add the value into that ecosystem. So I think I think we I think we don't know where all the next great things are going to come from. I think we're seeing that um, some some great applications and mobile tools are helping life and health insurance companies develop meaningful products, uh, better care and treatment programs, or richer benefits. Uh, we all know. That that some of the cost of insurance in certain product lines is is decreasing, whereas other product lines it's increasing. So these tools are going to help balance that out, maybe, or reach consumers that we don't reach today. Um, and then, I, I really do think that the, the the part anyone in the ecosystem, whether it's the insurance carrier or a, a lab who tests, you know, tests um, a, a blood test or a computer programming company that provides a software. Every one of those entities is beginning to explore the value of data, and I think even if they haven't um, agreed to, to, to try to reinvent themselves, the data is going to show them something that could really position them differently, and and I don't know what's going to happen, because the we're all going to kind of come out with a different costume on.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, with a different costume and a, and a different perspective, you know. Uh, so, 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 Denise, um, uh, you know, one of the questions that I always like to, to end the conversation with to bring this all home uh, to the listeners of this podcast is, you know, uh, you know, if, if there's someone that's listening, irrespective of where they sit in, in an organization, but someone that's listening to you and myself here talk today, um, and, and if they want to do something that's different from the Status quo in order to drive change or innovation within their own companies. You know what advice would you give that individual?
0: Top of mind, uh, first thing that I think of is do something different. Um, we 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 all want to get so good at our jobs, and we want to, you know, you start out in one role, you want to become a manager of that unit, and if you are fortunate and and interested, you want to move up. Uh, and manage bigger types of units like that or sister units. Um, But I think that there, and our industries are all whatever part of the ecosystem you're in, it's complex and it takes time to to master. Um, But find the time just to do something a little different because I think the world is changing so rapidly today that you have to look outside at something, someone in a different industry, a different practice, because, um, all these forces are around us and they're going to impact us somehow. And you might learn something from it along the way. And it might even be just that creative spark that you need to, to help you with what you're doing at the moment
1: absolutely well hey denise you know this was a absolutely a great conversation and i do want to say thank you for taking time here today to speak to me about what you're doing today uh, your history and just your thoughts on innovation in general so you know if someone wants to get in contact with you or learn more about what you do you know how could i get them that information
0: okay well i would welcome uh any conversation i always love to talk about uh, the industry, the 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 various perspectives, and uh, and also the uh, the concept of uh, innovation. So you can reach me at four seven zero four two nine zero eight seven one, and email D d o l i v a r e s at prognos dot a i
1: p r o g n o s dot a i. Perfect. Well, Denise, you know, once again, I do want to say thank you for your time here today. I'm uh, really excited to continue to follow what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see the successes that come uh, uh, from what you're doing over time. Hey, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed the discussion between myself and Denise. But before you go, I do want to introduce you to a special segment to learn more about Generator and the On Ramp Conference. So stick around. We're going to start right now. Hey, so, you know, I want to introduce Troy Vossler. Now, Troy is the co-founder of Generator, a startup accelerator who's also the producers of the OnRamp Conference. Troy, it's great to have you here today.
2: Thanks for having me, Abel. Pleasure to be here.
1: So Troy, you know, but I just want to learn a little bit more about what you all are doing at Generator, and then also talk to me about the On Ramp Conference. Yeah, you bet. So our background
2: is is through operating a startup accelerator known as Generator. Uh, so we started Generator back in 2012, and we're explicitly and deliberately industry agnostic and geographically agnostic. And today, we run those accelerator programs in Milwaukee, Madison, and Minnesota. Um, So, a very traditional accelerator model where we raise venture capital funds from private limited partners. We have a competitive application process. uh, And then we select the top 1% of our applicants to ultimately go through our program. The biggest distinction or differentiator, I'd say, is that we always take a very concierge approach. So, on average, we're only investing in five companies per cohort, so five companies per program, and then really focusing and giving those five companies full access to our network of mentors, potential customers customers, corporate partners, as well as investors. So we've been at it now uh, since 2012. We've completed 12 of those three-month long programs. We've invested in 65 companies. Combined, those 65 companies have gone on to raise more than $150 million in follow-on funding, and we're fortunate to be nationally ranked, so for the past three years, generator has been uh, ranked amongst the top 15 accelerators in the United States
1: so now with knowing that and knowing the history of generator you know let, let's get a little bit into what the on-ramp conference is about you know so how did that come about and just talk to me a little bit about what the but uh, what the value is that you're trying to provide
2: yeah you bet so as we were building out generator uh, when we queried our portfolio companies queried the companies that we invest in, uh, what do they want most? The answer that consistently came back was they want more access to customers and they want more revenue coming into the door. And as a result of that, we had already had a really strong relationship with American Family Insurance, who, who today has robust American Family Ventures, as well as a, a strong uh, internal corporate innovation department and so forth. Uh, and so we started getting in front of more and more insurance carriers: Northwestern Mutual, CUNA Mutual Group, Jewelers Mutual Assurance, Allianz Life, you know, Thrive in Financial and a host of others through that experience. And uh, Church Mutual, I don't wanna forget anyone. <laughs> and through that experience, we realized that, hey, we have a lot of corporations, in particular corporations in the insurance landscape that are interested in engaging with startups. On the other hand, we have startups both within our portfolio, but more broadly, we're seeing this rise of insure tech startups. Uh, how can we create an event? How can we create a conference that really brings together the best within an industry of corporations, investors and startups so that was really the brainchild for on-ramp uh today on-ramp is a vertical specific conference series so we hold these on-ramp conferences not only in insurance but also retail manufacturing uh and healthcare we're going to start in 2019 and then hopefully some other verticals as well but insurance remains our largest uh, and really most successful vertical for for a number of reasons but what on-ramp is it's a one-day event we always hold the event at a stadium that's kind of become our trademark And during that one-day event, it's split into two tracks. So we have a a traditional conference track with your keynote speakers, panel discussions, fireside chats, product demos, things of that nature. But then what really makes OnRamp unique is what we call our startup track. And what that means is at the stadium, remember that the the conference is taking place, in this case at Soldier Field in Chicago, at Soldier Field, each of the participating insurance carriers, and we have 30 of the top carriers participating, each carrier gets their own suite or luxury box, and then our team went out and recruited and solicited insurtech startups or startups that serve the insurance industry from all over the country at all different stages. We solicited them to apply for the free opportunity to be selected to pitch one-on-one with those participating carriers. So we ended up with over 330 startups who applied. In total, these startups have raised more than $1.4 billion in, in venture capital. So we're not talking about you know, just the earliest stage things, but we're talking about the full spectrum, everything from seed to you know series D, if you will. We share that full list of 330 startups with the 30 participating carriers They select, you know, up to up to 10 startups that they want to take a meeting with during the conference. And then we go ahead and schedule those meetings to take place in the suite uh, at the stadium. And so that's really become our trademark, if you will, that startup track experience uh, to connect startups and corporations for mutual benefit. Now, that could be a customer vendor relationship. It could be a strategic partnership could be a distribution relationship, uh, it could be a direct investment, whatever the case may be. But typically on the corporate side, it's folks representing corporate venture, corporate innovation, MA strategy, uh, business development, roles of that nature.
1: That's uh, that's pretty interesting. So as I look at uh, what I've seen in other conferences, I actually haven't seen anyone take this approach before. Um, and I think allowing uh, startups to get in front of uh, a lot of the larger carriers and on, um, on the opposite side of that, allowing the carriers to get access to these startups is really go and it helped to create that relationship for uh, the carriers and the startups that's going to allow the um, innovative uh, innovation of the insurance value chain that a lot of these carriers are, are hoping to do you know so I, I actually think that's that's really interesting um, and you know um, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful to you know at, at some point to, to, to find out you know uh, how that's been playing out for some of the carriers that's been participating um, you know so you all do have your uh, upcoming on-ramp conference uh, on uh, in, in April so you know just talk to me about when it is where it's going to be held and and who some of the speakers are going to be there
2: you bet so our next our third annual on-ramp insurance conference is coming up on april 12th it's taking place at soldier field in chicago we're expecting over a thousand attendees to be participating and attending the event new this year we have three unique stages so we're accomplishing more content we have more speakers uh and hopefully just an overall better networking environment and we really want to position on-ramp like I, lu- I alluded to with that startup track, is really a deal-making conference. We want to be the connector between these corporations, investors, and startups in the insurance industry uh, to make deals happen. You know, Specifically on the speaker side, we're excited to welcome back to the stage uh, Sheffi from Coverger, we have Sean Harper from Kin, uh, Martha from Excel Innovate, uh, Jamie Pickles from Jornaya, uh, Craig Shedler from Northwestern Mutual Future Ventures, Dan Reed from American Family Ventures, Chuck Wallace from Esurance, um, Keith Moore from Coverhound, Colin Akasuchi from Clear cover, uh, Rick Zulo from LightBank, uh, Asaf from Hippo. So just a really great lineup of speakers uh, and content varying everything from hey, what's next for commercial insurance to what are the implications of blockchain uh, at a high level, but then also a lot of tactical sessions. So sessions where we'll have a carrier uh, as well as a startup who talk about how they have worked together. Everything from what was the genesis of the relationship, how did they find each other, how did they put together a scope of work to actually engage on a specific technology or vendor use case, and then what, what 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 was kind of the good, bad, and the ugly of that process? Everything from, you know, what are best practices for corporations who want to uh, position themselves efficiently to work with startups, all the way from the startup perspective, what are things that they wish corporations would do better or do differently uh, to avail themselves to be able to work with startups more easily? Um, So we want really everything from high level, what's next, what's the future of AI and autonomous vehicles and things of that nature, all the way down to the real tactical steps of what are the best practices for corporations engaging with startups,
1: you know. So, so Troy, you know, if uh, if anyone that's listening to this wanted to learn more or wanted to, uh, you know, attend the conference, how can they do that?
2: You bet. So, uh, like I mentioned, On Ramp Insurance—it's coming up on April 12th at Soldier Field in Chicago. Please visit onrampinsuranceconference.com. You can register online. Uh, we still have a few tickets remaining, but would love to see you
1: out there. Great, Troy. Thank you. I truly appreciate that, and I'm hopeful that you know folks that are listening could you know uh, attend and potentially get a lot of value from what you all are providing at that conference.
2: You bet. Thanks, Abel. Look forward to it.
1: Hey, everybody. You know, thanks for listening to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. I truly appreciate you tuning in every week to hear what myself, some of the other thought leaders and innovators have to say in regards to the transformations and innovation changes to this industry. So, you know, once again, I want to say thank you. I truly do appreciate it. So tune in every Thursday for new episodes and we will see you next week.